0: Hey everyone, you're listening to Green Rapids. That was perfect. So good. Uh, welcome Wendy. Today we have Wendy here.
1: I am Wendy Randall. I am a longtime resident of Kent County. Uh, I am the director of the Kent County Essential Needs Task Force. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been in this role for just over six years. Oh, wow. That's a,
2: did you tell us that the first time we met? Six years is a good minute.
0: I don't know. but yeah it's been
1: (laughs) it's been a minute Mm -hmm. yeah
0: I had one job for six years and I still have every bit of information from that job in my head it's just when you do it that long it just becomes like not who you are but kind of like everything you do and your expertise yeah
1: yeah absolutely well I'm a Gen Xer so I'm one of those who like longevity in the workplace yeah. is a really important value and so mm-hmm. you know I had to go through a whole reframing of how I view other people who go who make lots of job transitions okay. Okay, to recognize that those are growth opportunities yes. not like job hopping.
2: Yes. Yeah. So I really
1: appreciate having your perspective of like six years is a long time.
2: Oh, Mm -hmm. that's so
0: interesting, too, because that is that was such value is to be somewhere for a long time. Mm -hmm. And we see it all the time. I mean, I again, some of the people I worked with worked there for 10 to 20 years Mm -hmm. and it was a chiropractic office. So it's just being at a place and familiar so yeah sometimes unfortunately
1: familiarity leads to stagnancy
0: Mm, so
1: it is important to know Like when it's the right time to Mm -hmm. make a transition where the individual can grow and the organization and future organizations can grow as well. So Mm -hmm. I have a very different perspective on it now than I did when I was like in my
0: 20s and 30s. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, I can see the commitment to wanting to be a lifer, though, because when I worked at the library, I was like, I'm going to retire out of this place.
0: (laughs) I feel like you still have plans to go back and retire. I kind of (laughs) do. That's
2: okay. I kind of do. Someone's got
0: to do it. Full yeah. cycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess what led you into the job that you're in now and maybe made you want to stay for this long period of time besides the security, longevity, things like that.
1: Yeah, sure. So I had been participating in the Essential Needs Task Force as a representative of Goodwill Industries for a long mm-hmm. time. Okay. So I was in workforce development at Goodwill for almost 14 years. Oh, wow. And through <laughs> that, yeah, exactly. We're like uh, <laughs> Through that, uh, we were involved in some different community partnerships. Mm. And so I had the pleasure of representing Goodwill at the Essential Needs Task Force Economic and Workforce Development Committee. Mm -hmm. And really, um, it really helped uh, ground my concept of collaboration Mm -hmm. and um, community voice and those types of uh, really foundational uh, competencies Mm -hmm. for any type of workforce development or any type of systems work.
3: Yeah.
1: So when the opportunity became available, I wanted to get more involved at a systems level. And so it was interesting coming to ENTF because my background was really primarily in workforce development. And ENTF, of course, has a lot of different system areas that we Uh focus on. So I had a huge learning curve when it came to the food system and the transportation system and Uh the utility system. And, um, you know, just being able to uh, have... I guess, the the background of the details of the work, especially service delivery work, but mm-hmm. also being able to put that in a higher-level system framework yeah. in a sector that I had no familiarity with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, and in terms of staying with the work, you know, system work is never really finished.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so from the personal perspective, like, every day is new, it's challenging and rewarding, mm-hmm. and getting to... Be in really thoughtful conversations around the opportunities that we have as a community. Mm-hmm. That drives me every single day. Totally. I wouldn't want anything different.
0: Yes. And you get to have those in-depth conversations when you're talking about systems because the systems are what we have to abide by in order to get what we need and what we want out of our societies. Exactly. So being able to like be a part of this task force that's responsible for kind of, I guess, assisting those systems mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. has to feel so good in a different type of way, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. It's very yeah. different than uh, direct service work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not uh, the same as, um, you know, helping someone find a place to lay their head at night.
3: Yeah. But
1: it is about ensuring that there are opportunities for people to have places that Mm -hmm. are safe and secure, for people to have economic mobility, for people to feel healthy in their community. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really looking at, like, how do all of our uh, crisis intervention services, but Mm -hmm. also how do all of our policies fit together Mm -hmm. so that everyone feels like they're living out their greatest potential. Yeah.
2: Mm. So for for our listeners who don't know what the Kent County Essential Needs Task Force is, how would you describe that? Or what is it? Yeah, so it's...
0: um, (laughs) <laughs> if you can, <laughs> find the words.
2: It doesn't have to be like a one-liner either. It no, be like no, no, no. It's never liner. a one-liner. <laughs> it's never a one-liner.
1: Uh so essentially its task force is a convening entity. Mm-hmm. So we are um a group that brings together um community organizers, mm-hmm. uh nonprofits, mm-hmm. so direct service folks, uh folks from local government, uh folks from faith institutions, um, some business folks, and we, we wrap our conversations around uh, five different systems areas mm-hmm. and within those conversations we're working on um, shared visioning, mm-hmm. we're working on coordination of services and reducing duplication,
3: mm-hmm.
1: filling gaps in services, yeah. and then we're working on shared initiatives so that every organization that's participating is seeing the benefit for not only their organization and the people that they serve mm-hmm. but for the community as a whole. Okay. So we're really w- focusing on interconnectedness of organizations, interconnectedness of services,
3: mm-hmm. right. and
1: how can we work together for collective impact rather than individual impact.
2: Yeah. And we love like collaboration and community and like you know just connecting the dots cuz like everything's like intersectional if you really think about it, right? Mm-hmm. So I really love that about the essential needs tax force well, and
0: would we all try to address things in the way that maybe works best for only like our group or our organization we find maybe a little bit of redundancy mm-hmm. like if we're going to be addressing the same problem as somebody else maybe we could collaborate or maybe we could Absolutely. use each other's resources or communicate about what the needs of certain residents or just people in general in the city need in order to become a resident or just mm-hmm. w- whatever it may be mm-hmm. yeah you know, I
1: think um, what's interesting is we spend a lot of our time introducing organizations or people to one another. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, actually, that's that's one of our core functions. One of our action areas is connecting. And part of the reason for that is, you know, how much more effective can we be if we're working together, if we're partnering in some way? Mm -hmm. Um, And there are some circumstances where... Nuanced services or nuanced approaches are really important because yeah. of a particular cultural competency or because mm-hmm. of a, a um, an identity need, mm-hmm. you know, something that's really specific. Yeah. But at the same time, if we can partner where it makes sense mm-hmm. and become stronger and more effective through that partnership, Yeah, then that's the outcome that we're really looking for. So mm-hmm. we do a lot of like, we meet someone new and we learn about what they're doing and then we're like, Oh, light bulb, you should be talking to this person and yeah. you should get together mm-hmm. with that person. And mm-hmm. maybe there are co-location opportunities. So or maybe there like are... A conduit. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. exactly. And so you're... that connecting aspect is a really important function of ours.
2: Okay. And, and it's you're... cool that that's like a, like a very, like, you're very intentional about that focus too like it's not just yeah. like oh we just so happen to be here being conduits you're just like no we're doing this yeah I really appreciate it yeah mm-hmm.
1: when we ask people like why do you keep coming back to ENTF meetings one of the biggest things that we heard was the networking mm-hmm. the connections that I make the people that I get to know the relationships that I built mm-hmm. and so you know we wanted to leverage that we wanted to really lean into that
0: yeah. And, and as you're saying this too, like I'm realizing that there's so many things and there's so many places or resources that I don't know about too. So it's really important to have like a place where people know about resources and they know about community and they know how to get people connected. I think that's a job in itself just mm-hmm. to hold that information and mm-hmm. know how to get it to people correctly and properly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, one like of the a... really exciting things that we've developed over time came mm-hmm. out of our workforce development committee, and that was the whole concept of resource navigation mm-hmm. and um, case conferencing in order to troubleshoot uh, referrals and yeah. barrier resolution. Yeah, mm-hmm. And right. so we have uh, quarterly convenings where we bring together resource navigation resource navigators from. A wide variety of different sectors, mm-hmm. and talk about a specific system issue. So, mm-hmm. uh, for example, they might talk about housing resources, or they might talk yeah. about transportation resources, mm-hmm. or uh, they might talk about um, utilities. Mm-hmm. You know, and but it's it's the topic areas are identified by the people who are attending those convenings, mm-hmm. yeah. so that they're able to work with one another and work with the experts on where resources are most accessible or how to navigate those complex systems where eligibility is an issue and timing mm-hmm. is an issue and access is an issue yeah. uh, so having that resource navigation convening and then we also do um, trainings around resource navigation as well those oh, are some really
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah those really have helped um, help people like case managers or referral specialists become more effective in their jobs
3: mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. If they can navigate the systems that they're asking other people to use, or they find out the issues that people are having within them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've I've been talking to a friend about um, looking for a home, and like even just renting a house can be so complicated. Like, I couldn't imagine if I needed to take 10 more steps in order to just get myself or my family into a proper home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I appreciate that people like specifically take classes to make sure that it's easier when mm-hmm. we have to navigate through these systems. Yeah. We don't really realize that there's somebody behind the scenes doing all of that, mm-hmm. Just why I love these conversations mm-hmm. so much because, <laughs> I don't know.
2: Yeah, it's cool to just kind of, like, get more understanding about what goes on behind the scenes, yeah. like, in mm-hmm. different levels of the system.
0: Huge part so. of organizing that we don't even touch or we don't even understand sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: And that's, you know, it's interesting when you think about um, – how resources become available to community. Uh, it it really took a long time for I think funders to mm-hmm. understand that infrastructure of how systems work is important in and of itself. You yeah. know, it's not just the direct service delivery that's important mm-hmm. when funding something happening in the community. Right. It's important to fund that network behind or that support structure behind the services that are being provided. Right. And ultimately, you know, we want to get to a point where the services that are provided are less and less necessary, right? Yes, right. so we have Preach. to have these conversations <laughs> yes. around root causes and systems change. Otherwise, we're just going to be delivering
0: services over
1: and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, that's the not a profit that
0: never ends.
1: Exactly, yeah, the nonprofit industrial complex. Yeah, and, and that's yeah. no
0: fun. And. It just creates a more exhausted group of people in that workforce as well because Mm -hmm. that's just – it's so much to be seeing the same issues over and over again with only, like, a Band-Aid.
2: And it continues to, like, enable the the government to, like, continue to neglect the people too because, you know. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it doesn't lead to equity. (laughs) It It just leads to – um a sense of a sense of like saviorism like oh i did a good job because i helped these people Mm -hmm. well did you change their lives for the future or did you just help them in the instance and people need help in the situation they need help in Mm -hmm. that crisis moment they also need to be assured that the system will be restructured so that they don't themselves in that type of
0: situation again in the future avoid uh-huh. the crisis moment altogether together if yeah. you can yeah. so then the essential needs task force makes sure that the systems that people are utilizing for these services are not only growing out of these systems and services but uh-huh. they're easy to use as uh-huh. well
1: yeah yeah i would say that's fair um we're really looking at um how are people accessing information to get the resources that are appropriate for them Mm -hmm. and how are we changing the narrative around services and systems Mm -hmm. and then how can we hold leaders leaders or people in power accountable yeah Um, and how do we hold one another accountable for our own behaviors as well yeah Um, we can talk a lot about equity but are we really Mm -hmm. living out behaviors that display Mm -hmm. equity and uplift equity Mm -hmm. and that's a really important challenge that um that we discuss a lot in our committees Mm -hmm. is um you know what what does it look like to embed equity in our work Mm -hmm. when we're talking about concepts we're talking about strategies Mm -hmm. you know what does that really look like and and so changing narratives um elevating voices of people with lived experience those mm-hmm. are things that are so important to us one of the challenges for us as the staff of ENTF is mm-hmm. we don't provide direct service so we don't have that intimate uh, connection yeah. mm-hmm. with people who are
0: experiencing crisis. a more higher
2: level mm-hmm. yeah exactly
0: you almost get that information third party exactly right? like yeah. this person said this is an issue for them right okay. right mm-hmm.
1: so it so we're hoping that over time we can build the uh, the frequency that we're interacting directly with residents, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that's an intentional effort on our part. Yeah. At the same time, when we're working with organizations, we're really talking about the ways in which they engage with folks. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it relationship-based? Mm-hmm. Are they utilizing input when they're planning their services? Mm-hmm. Uh, do they include people with lived experience in their budgeting, in their program design, in mm-hmm. their boards? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and those are the things that we not only need to be doing ourselves, but we need to help and support those organizations that we work with mm-hmm. to build capacity and to understand both the discomfort and the value of doing those things. Yes. So, Because those are the things that start to change the dynamics of power and start to change uh, the focus from immediate need to
0: systems work. Right. Totally. And as you're saying this, I think about, like, that's probably one of the most difficult things we all face is how do we just – reach this voice of somebody who has these needs like the truest form of the person that we're trying to address these needs for Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of it is unfortunately fear-based in our societies we don't really know how to approach people sometimes we don't know how to ask them about their hardships and sometimes they don't want to talk about it anymore too so it's this like interesting blend of being willing to put yourself into really intentional and difficult work and then also like you said making sure that you're not the only one maybe because you can have conversations with maybe 10 people in a day but like can 10 organizers have 10 conversations in housing or in food or in other places? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be so much more effective for your feedback down the road um, or for everybody's feedback.
1: Right, mm-hmm. right. I really appreciate what you said about being uncomfortable or uh, or kind of the fear behind those genuine interactions. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. You know, none of us... Um, Most of us. Mm -hmm. I love seeing you think about this for Most of us wouldn't come out and say, I love being in uncomfortable situations, right? Like, we might be very willing to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations, Mm -hmm. um, and we may value or we we may understand where that takes us as a human, um, especially with our own, like, critical thinking and Mm -hmm. with our own problem solving and, like, what it it, um, builds in terms of... um, uh being your truest self like yeah. being in, un- mm-hmm. in an uncomfortable situation is important for a lot of people
3: yeah
1: but given the choice a lot of people would be like mm, i'm good thanks yeah, yeah. So, which is why there's
2: that's an uncomfortable thing right because right it's like right. not appealing <laughs>
1: yeah exactly uh-huh. they don't want to be in that moment and uh-huh. part of it i think is um stigma mm-hmm. because they've heard a lot of stereotypes. And totally. they don't know how to handle those stereotypes or they don't know a way of connecting and like recognizing that there's some um, there there are some shared values or there are some shared. Yeah, commonalities. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so when we think about those vulnerable conversations, mm-hmm. it's not only listening to that other person and being able to understand one's role in how they how that person ended up in that situation. Mm -hmm. But it's also then being able to say, I have something to share that isn't a transaction with you. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like that willingness to say, I'm going to walk alongside you Mm -hmm. or I'm going to um, reconnect at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, That's scary for folks too Mm -hmm. because it means that you're holding yourself accountable for something. Mm -hmm. And like, what if I fail? What if I am not able to provide a service to them that I thought they needed Yeah. you know then I become this um, the one kind of fly by night yeah or something yeah, yeah. they're like
0: oh there's Wendy Yeah, <laughs> she, yep. she totally lied to me she killed me, and she failed me. <laughs> yeah. right and that mm-hmm. hurts and that's hard for everybody and nobody wants to be in that position of mm-hmm. one discomfort in a space where you're not you don't typically find yourself mm-hmm. and then two failure. Like we're all avoiding the big F, right? Right. Like that's the one that we just don't ever want to admit or feel or see. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the one, what is it? The ones who win are never afraid to fail. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the part of it, right? Like if, if you're afraid of losing, you cannot win because that fear is going to block you from even trying and so I just really do appreciate you for even saying that Um, I think I share a lot of commonalities with a lot of people in this city who are facing a lot of things that I've never even had to come close to Mm -hmm. and I could personally be much more open about having those conversations and about how I'm going to utilize that information Mm -hmm. and I think we all do have this very pretty blanket to help us pretend like we don't know how to have these conversations mm-hmm. with people. Yeah. And we're, pe- we're people. Right. <laughs> and, right. And that's just what it comes down to. Yeah. Hello, my name is. Yeah, Dignity. I like yeah. your shirt. <laughs> right. Yeah. It could be as easy as that. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I just, I appreciate you for even.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, reminding us of that. So I was looking at you mentioned committees earlier yeah. and I was I checked your website and it looks like you actually have a number of committees. We do. Um I'll read them off just in case you did not know them off of your head. But they are digital inclusion. <laughs> They're cannot, like the back and You're, of you're my pulling end. this off
0: of what uh the
2: ENTF website.
0: Okay, perfect. I just economic
2: sure Economic and Workforce Development, Energy Efficiency, Food and Nutrition, Transportation, and Kent County Food Policy Council. Yes. Like, okay. These are all your focus areas. Do you have a favorite? Oh, gosh.
1: (laughs) No, definitely not. Oh, okay. Um, You know, it's funny because we have, like, varying participation in each Mm -hmm. of the different committee areas. Um, There are a different number of uh, organizations that address these different Mm -hmm. service areas, too. You know, if you think about workforce development, um, there are a lot of organizations that provide job training or that provide connection to employment or that provide um, certifications Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever the case may be. So we can draw from a lot of different sectors Mm -hmm. to build a workforce development committee that Mm -hmm. is pretty robust and that Mm -hmm. has a lot of different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And then we have um, the energy efficiency committee as an example, where if we only rely on the organizations that provide services for utility assistance mm-hmm. it's a really small number yeah. because utility assistance comes from a very um, specific sliver. stream of funding mm-hmm. from the government mm-hmm. and so there aren't very many organizations that can provide utility assistance right but then we have to start thinking about okay what is energy efficiency really about it's about utility assistance yes uh-huh. right but how do we get at the root causes for utility assistance right. well income is one area right because mm-hmm. Um, we have to think about, can people afford their utilities? Yeah. So it's income. It's affordability from the rate side of things. Mm, how nice. are utilities constructing and determining their rates? Mm. Right. It's about... Which is kind of made up. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's how rates are determined. Mm-hmm. It's how... Uh, it's the condition of the home. Mm-hmm. How effective and efficient are the appliances? How Not is the true. wiring in the mm-hmm. home? How is the home weatherized? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. is it a single family home? Is it a multi family apartment complex? Yeah. Um, what is the exterior of the home environment and okay. how that impacts utilities? Yeah. You know, so there are a lot of different things that can play into exploring systems issues mm-hmm. that really aren't at the surface level that we have to dig a little bit deeper mm-hmm. to to um really not only comprehend but then to be able to impact yeah. because then you get into like the regulatory side of things mm-hmm. and you know there's legislative work there's regulatory yes. work there's funding work no stricter than federal mm-hmm. exactly all of these so yeah so there are a lot of different um like each system is really intriguing mm-hmm. in its own way yes um And I would say, you know, the people who work in the different systems are all passionate people, you know, but Mm. they, um, most of the time, they're focused on their system. So what's nice for me, exactly, Mm -hmm. what's nice for me is I get to take a step back and I'm like the ultimate generalist, right? Like, I don't have to specialize in any one particular area, but I do need to understand how all the different areas are connecting with one another. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like what are the intended and unintended consequences of decisions that are being made in each of those different areas? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So like how I, does transportation impact how people are going to get food down the line? Exactly. And then how does like the efficiency of that transportation going to impact the neighborhoods that it goes through? Exactly. Yeah. And like a lot of people don't have hands in on right. a lot of right. that.
1: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's interesting being able to have like the variety of different connections that we have. Like mm-hmm. I really appreciate that, that we're, Engaged with so many different organizations, so many different people like yourselves who mm-hmm. are like in the community organizing mm-hmm. and um, and uh, really exploring like what are the differences in need mm-hmm. that are nuanced yeah. that need to be brought forward so that c- solutions can be nuanced appropriately as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, no particular committee is a favorite. <laughs> um, obviously, I have my you know my long-standing experience in workforce development, yeah, um, and like i said before pretty much everything comes down to income to yeah. some degree mm-hmm. so workforce development fits kind of that area yeah but right. they're all so fascinating like mm-hmm. everybody eats everybody loves to eat for the most part so <laughs> yeah. the food so system like of food is fascinating of you know
0: it's wonderful well and mm-hmm. there's so many jobs in food there's so many systems to get people the the, assist- the assistance that they might need there mm-hmm. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, I just I never think about any of this. I'm going to be honest. You don't really think about like how we develop the people who are working these jobs to get people services. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's
1: so a let job me tell in you, itself. Right, right. Let me tell you a little bit more about our action areas.
2: Yeah, let's
1: hear it. So these um, I mentioned connecting before. These are mm-hmm. kind of the areas that we really focus on in terms of, you know, what's ENTF's role in the community, Mm -hmm. right? What's Mm -hmm. ENTF's role with all of these organizations? Mm -hmm. So connecting is one of those. Um, We have a data and understanding, which is another one of our areas. Mm -hmm. So in this area, we focus on kind of two core things. We focus on building capacity for organizations themselves. Mm -hmm. So when an organization is exploring either um, uh, external data, Mm -hmm. so like, census data Mm -hmm. or, you know, other like labor data, anything like that. Mm -hmm. When they're exploring data, do they understand what it means to their constituency um, and how they could potentially impact that? So there's that kind of competency. Mm -hmm. It's also looking at their internal data. Mm -hmm. So if they're exploring like gathering community voice or if they're exploring the outcomes of the programs that they provide or Mm -hmm. any of those types of things, um, do they feel confident in, How they collect data, in understanding the data, and then in reporting out the data. So we work a lot on the capacity side of things when it comes to data.
2: Yeah, and that like runs the world, so, right? Right,
1: everyone wants to know the numbers. Well, not everyone um (laughs) then there's the the other side of that of course is the stories like Mm -hmm. stories are data we don't talk about them in that way but they really are and Mm -hmm. so the story gathering and the story sharing is such an important piece to data competency Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. we work a lot with organizations on that as well Mm -hmm. then we work on um some collective research Mm -hmm. so um when we think about like all the different organizations in the community that provide food access services. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: How are they structured? What types of services are they providing? Um, How do they incorporate community voice? Mm
3: -hmm.
1: What types of outcomes do they see? All those types of things. Mm -hmm. So we gather organizations together and conduct uh, studies on um, their organizational practices. Mm -hmm. Or we look at, are there some shared outcomes That we can, where we can define the the data point the same way, in order to gather that data from multiple organizations and then determine Mm, how effective mm -hmm. the system is in meeting community need. Mm -hmm. So we conduct some shared data projects as well as doing the capacity building at an organizational and community level. That's so cool. So that's our data and understanding area. Then we have our action and advocacy area. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay.
1: So in action and advocacy, we again have a capacity building component. Mm-hmm. So you know, talking with organizations, providing workshops on what does advocacy look like and why yeah. are people so afraid of being involved in advocacy? You know, what is it that um, throws up the red flag or puts the, makes the hair on your back of your neck stand up you know, yeah. when people talk about advocacy? Mm-hmm. Well, in a nonprofit world, people often are um, told that they can't advocate they can't lobby. Mm-hmm. The, the There's a lot of nuance more. in yep, that, yep. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like they really can do a lot more than they think they can do, uh-huh. but they're afraid of it because it's unknown, because yeah. it risks their how they're perceived, whether it's yeah. by their supervisor, or whether it's by community, or whatever the case may be. My
2: mm-hmm. um, funders um, too, most likely, and and yeah.
1: funders, yeah, and mm-hmm. they think it might be a little bit more complex, and they don't know enough to be able to do it. Yeah. So we um, host some different workshops and and host discussions around how to advocate effectively how to build an advocacy campaign um, how to work with peers across the community Mm -hmm. in order to uh create shared messaging um in order to support something that's happening either Mm -hmm. budgetarily or legislatively Mm -hmm. um we we provide a lot of um, action alerts or like advocacy opportunities where mm-hmm. we're saying, hey, this thing is going to be discussed at the state legislature. Okay, you know, here's a way to get involved, nice. or yeah. you know, here's something that um, that's being brought forward at county commission. Mm-hmm. Here's a way to get involved. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one of our other functional areas.
2: Yeah. Is that you said that's open for like nonprofits and organizations or is that open to individuals Anyone who, who want to learn how to advocate also? Okay. cool. Yeah.
1: Okay. I mean, it's it's definitely something that happens more with organizers. Yeah. Well, uh, I would say, you know, it's not like an ongoing thing. Like we okay. don't say every, you know, every three months we're going to hold this training mm-hmm. because we partner with. Other organizations for those too. We can't mm, hold all the expertise. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in our advocacy training, we do a lot of partnership with Michigan League for Public Policy. Okay. So we're hosting something. We like talk it up, get people registered. Mm-hmm. They conduct the training, and then we once the training is completed, then we work with the organizations on okay, where do we go from here? Like, mm-hmm. what's the next step? Okay. Yeah. Um, so a couple of examples of local things that we've been involved in lately around advocacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so another uh, one of my peers, um, Janelle, who leads our Kent County Food Policy Council,
3: mm-hmm. she
1: and I attended the Grand Rapids Public Schools board meeting where the um, students were coming forward and oh, yeah. mm-hmm. making their public comment around the various demands for the GRPS school system Mm -hmm. specifically around food and mental health and facilities Mm -hmm. so we we provided yeah you were there yeah (laughs) um so we provided a letter of support for the student organizers (gasps) we you know we were there to Mm -hmm. give them encouragement when they were there you Mm -hmm. know kind of say hi like make eye contact high fives those kinds of things
3: Yeah.
1: yeah um similarly Kent County's Department of Public Works had a working session Mm -hmm. a few weeks ago to discuss the waste-to-energy plant that's being proposed. So the whole concept here is how can we generate more energy out of all the things that are community wastes, right? All the garbage, per se,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and how do we ensure that we don't have to construct another landfill
2: that would have environmental
1: impacts indefinitely into the future Mm -hmm. right
2: or maybe not making sure that we're not building that in a frontline community right exactly put it out somewhere where it's not going to hurt anybody
1: right right so we did the same thing again we provided um public comment we Mm -hmm. were there at that working session we provided Mm -hmm. public comment just describing why it's important to us as the food policy council as the essential needs task force Mm -hmm. what impacts would occur Mm -hmm. with landfill versus the positive impacts that could occur with a waste to energy plant and all right. the complex mm-hmm. of uh, businesses that would surround yeah. that plant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we do get involved in some kind of hyper-local mm-hmm. advocacy, yeah. um, but then we're also involved in, like, state-level and and national-level advocacy as well. So things like... Um,
0: yeah, because some things are LIHEAP like beyond the city, yeah, or beyond the county, I gotta
2: take it one notch up. Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. some part
0: of advocacy is even just education. Mm-hmm. So educating people on, like you said, this is why we want to do that. You don't just want to say, "Hey, we're gonna do this." Right. Mm-hmm. We they, we think this is great. Thank you. It's like no, we think this is great for this reason, this reason, and this reason. But we also want to be able to support what you want and what you need by educating you on our reasoning for it, mm-hmm. and then kind of hearing what you have to say
1: yeah yeah exactly what matters to you Mm -hmm. and is there a policy issue or is there a budgetary issue that can impact what matters to you Mm -hmm. and if not can we bring one forward
2: yeah
3: which is really complex yeah
1: Mm -hmm. but if there's something that we can make a tie to Mm -hmm. you know if if we can say well, there's a, there's a group like DHHS is working on this issue. If we can mm-hmm. advocate with DHHS and mm-hmm. with our lawmakers, yeah. then maybe that can be something that has yeah. more support in the upcoming budget. You know, those mm-hmm. types Prove of of things a community
0: need. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely.
1: Um, let's see. So okay. Advo- going back to the beginning yeah so you did
0: uh, <laughs> advocacy you did workforce development D- data or data yep or and you then do connecting data, yeah. Data learning, yeah
1: so um yeah so so we have them categorized in kind of two areas we have mm-hmm. our systems our five systems and then the six committees that convene mm-hmm. in those systems and that's where it's like workforce development energy efficiency transportation okay so the Right, okay. yeah. The Got committees it. are the systems areas oh. and the action areas uh-huh. are the functions. Got it, okay. So we do all the functions in all the different action areas, See, in all the different okay. systems. You kind
0: of run those through each one, right? Mm-hmm. Almost, not like. Not like DEI, but how you're supposed to use DEI. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, okay, like are we checking all of these boxes mm-hmm. through advocacy? Are we checking all of these boxes through communication? Right. Okay. okay. Right.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sort of thing. So then our last action area is uh, community learning.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And so what we have found is that a lot of people who are providing direct service or a lot of people who are in kind of like the, um, the – not necessarily decision-making, but like the um, procedure writing level Uh, mm -hmm. of local government, Yeah, a lot of those folks don't have much opportunity to connect with one another Mm -hmm. and to learn from one another. So like professional development types of things. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily like CEUs where they're extending their credential, Mm -hmm. but it's more along the lines of like peer learning and what's going to be effective on a day-to-day basis what's going to help me be more effective in doing my job Uh so we do some community learning that are focused on um understanding emerging issues within a system Uh or understanding or and understanding how issues are impacting other systems. Yeah. So for example, we don't focus on criminal justice or the criminal legal system. Mm-hmm. But we do or we have uh, provided webinars on clean slate legislation and yeah. how that mm. impacts uh, housing and how it impacts workforce. Yes. Yes. Um, right. we've had webinars on community engagement, you mm-hmm. know, what's what are effective ways and and so we, we'll bring in a panel mm-hmm. of organizations who do community engagement really well and oh. talk with them about like you know, what are your practices? What have you learned along the way? What would, would you recommend to other people? Uh-huh. Yeah. So we use our community learning aspect as a way for um, frontline folks and for leadership mm-hmm. to learn more about a topic that might cross their minds mm-hmm. and also to learn more about how they can be more effective in their work.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Through the lens of somebody else's work or experience. Yeah. Okay. Or expertise. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. That, yeah. I like that yeah. a
0: lot especially because it's just so hard to learn through your own experience every single time sometimes just listen to people who've already done it yeah I'm I, I've been learning a lot about just like listening to the ideas that people have already kind of tried to implement mm-hmm. uh, sometimes we all think we have the best ideas in the whole world yeah
2: I had a friend <laughs> once that said you know what you know know people who know what you don't know and then you'll never not know nice I feel like that's really always like, with me Mm-hmm. I have to
0: stick that on my forehead yeah. somewhere. A little mantra for the day. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. But I feel
2: like this is that's like the theme for like kind of like this episode and kind of like what this, um, like what the ENTF does is like really just like knowing people who know what you don't know, and then you'll always have somebody who knows what you need to know, and then yeah. like that's. Yeah. And that's why I call myself
1: the like ultimate generalist, Mm -hmm. right? I don't need to know all the ins and outs of every single system. Mm -hmm. But if I know who the experts are, I know who the people are with lived experience. Mm -hmm. I know how to connect people with one another. Mm -hmm. Like those are the important things. Mm -hmm. And knowing the power structures are really important too. Like Mm -hmm. where can you leverage relationships? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't know who has the influence to change something, Mm -hmm. then you might be spinning your wheels and wondering Mm -hmm. like, why aren't they listening to me? Well, they might not be the right person. Yeah. Like they might, not have any control
2: mm-hmm.
0: so you might not be having the right conversation with them yeah.
2: exactly yeah, yeah and like i would love a study of uh, power structures also because i mean you know with, with doing this work we are doing a lot of advocacy um and i feel like sometimes it's really you know like i mean i took political classes like in college and high school and everything but now it's like okay how do i actually how does it work in the real world mm-hmm. and then yeah, so yeah
0: I and i'm, I learn I'm learning a lot about how all local and state government can operate so differently Mm -hmm. like ordinances are not the same across board from Grand Rapids to Ann Arbor to Traverse City right they're just not the same Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so we're all kind of working with our own set of regulations or our own set of boundaries and so to your point Nancy yes you can take these classes and learn about it but until you get in depth about the system specifically that you're working with a lot of that knowledge might just be like the, I almost call it not elementary, but it almost feels elementary. Like my persp- perspective on what I know about how laws are created <laughs> and who changes them and how to get that done versus like, you know, our city manager system in Grand Rapids—like mm-hmm. that—blew my mind when I learned it. I didn't realize that that could even be a thing, mm-hmm. and so it's just so important to to have that knowledge or to know people who have that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah, and you
1: need. know, that's uh, networks are so important because mm-hmm. it's it is that it's knowing the people who have that knowledge or knowing who you can contact if you have a question. Mm-hmm. That's so like one of my personal reminders to myself Mm -hmm. is like always go back to who can help find the answer
2: yeah you know Mm -hmm. like
1: i don't need to know everything Mm -hmm. but if i can find people who know the answer and i can connect them to one another Mm -hmm. like those are the keys to resolving situations and to leading to change like being creative with one another so um you know, those are those are some of the important aspects of my work. And, mm-hmm. and part of why I love this work is mm-hmm. because I have that amazing opportunity to sit down and talk with folks like you, yeah. to learn from what others are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I find myself really fortunate. But I have to say, like, I'm on a journey, too. And one of the things that we as a team, and I mentioned this earlier, we as a team and we as our committees are continuously talking through is what are the things that we forgot to consider yeah
3: mm-hmm. you know what
1: what are the experiences that are not voices in the room mm-hmm. or what are the circumstances that um, that occurred that we didn't anticipate you know yeah. that are posing some type of negative impact mm-hmm. um, and how do we sit with that acknowledge it
3: mm-hmm.
1: and then make change that doesn't make it about ourselves mm-hmm. right and yeah. that's so hard you know it's it's difficult to Um, feel
2: like maybe you found like the perfect solution, but then you're like, oh, but then there's a side effect that might cause more harm than good or something. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Right. Um, you know, being able to uplift other people's ideas Mm -hmm. is much more important than having an idea that's
0: a winning idea for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're the great person for this job. Yeah. and No, but really, because there are some people who have, um, a more egocentric view on what some of their successes might be. So mm-hmm. like you being able to see somebody else's success as your success as well, might be really beneficial to our community in a way that, you know, uh, would serve further. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. I appreciate it.
2: Um, so, I mean, we c- you kind of already talked about the scope of ENTF, but what are some of like, what are some of the goals that you have for these committees, like all the different like working committees?
1: yeah so if I think about ENTF's mission and vision mm-hmm. as a whole mm-hmm. um, ultimately what we want to do is ensure that all residents of Kent County have equitable opportunities and equitable outcomes okay. so when mm-hmm. you think That's a about oh, you're it like is. oh
2: you know yeah. <laughs> just yeah. some no equitable. big deal just Something equity. Like
1: <laughs> <laughs> so bear in mind this is generational work yeah. <laughs> multi-generational work yes. it's, it's not going to happen in my lifetime uh-huh. but this is also where we need to recognize and be able to um, uh, celebrate but not be satisfied with incremental change Mm. yes so Mm. you know we're we're all on this journey we're all working toward things and we do see setbacks Mm -hmm. but when we can see a marked difference when we can like hear a narrative change Mm -hmm. and and recognize like oh yeah they get it now. Mm-hmm. Like they used to talk this way. Now they're talking that way. Mm-hmm. They see the systems work. They see yeah. the vision for how the community can be better and mm-hmm. the community can thrive together. So those are some things that we, you know, try to celebrate. Um so so when we think about, you know, what does it mean to have equitable opportunities and equitable outcomes? Mm-hmm. So for um let's let's talk a little bit about the energy efficiency committee mm-hmm. in Lots. the utility Assistant. <laughs> Our <Yeah>. favorite <laughs> of yeah. course. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um In the utility system, there are a couple things we want to think about. We want to make sure that there's utility assistance Mm -hmm. available with no restrictions. Mm -hmm. Like we want to reduce the eligibility um, caps. Oh, there's and allow for. They really well, are. Well, they're financial, mm-hmm. right? They are, they're financial caps, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a limit to how much assistance people can receive. And, mm-hmm. of course, there are thresholds for their income levels in mm-hmm. order to be eligible to receive that assistance. So we these want... are
0: poverty levels, correct?
1: So sometimes, yeah, most of the time with utility assistance, it goes by FPL. So it might be 150% of FPL, or it might be 175, or, you know, during COVID, they mm-hmm. raised it a couple times so that more people were eligible for
0: assistance, you know. Mm-hmm. and um, FPL is Federal Poverty Level. Yes, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I just want to make Sorry. sure. Some, no, we all throw terms around all day. So I just want yeah. to make sure people love our listeners. Yeah. yeah, I
1: totally get it. Okay. So uh-huh. in our work within ENTF and really with a lot of organizations across the community and some government entities are, stri- are starting to, to capture this terminology too, mm-hmm. we look at what's called the ALICE threshold. Yeah. So ALICE stands for Asset Limited, Income Constrained, and Employed. So if you think about oh. the number of people that live in poverty, in mm-hmm. Kent County right now, they're about 10% of the population that lives in poverty. Oh. But then you have the working poor, right? That yeah. that category of folks who are employed, but they're struggling because their employment isn't meeting their financial obligations,
0: right? Well, and our poverty level is set at like a ridiculous, a ridiculous rate. Yeah. So poverty is subjective.
1: Yes. Yes, even though the government makes it very objective, it really is subjective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the concept of it is subjective. Yeah, when so, can't
2: is that as underemployed. But yeah, go on. Yes, yes. underemployed.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the working poor is kind of the old terminology. Yes. Mm-hmm. So like gen xers boomers you know mm-hmm. us old folks we,
0: <laughs> we you
1: said it hold on to that <laughs> stereotype yeah. um which is really unfortunate because labels are so damaging uh, yeah. but you're right people who are underemployed
2: Well, working poor is i feel it is, describes the issue right like these people are working but they're just underpaid, so they're just not getting mm-hmm. ahead. But underpaid. yeah, they are the working exactly. for. Anyway, go on. Exactly. anyway, yeah, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the acknowledgement. <laughs>
1: um, so when we think about um, people who live in this category, mm-hmm. about 23% of people living in Kent County are in that category. So oh. really, when we think about people's ability to meet their essential needs mm-hmm. to, to um, survive mm-hmm. in our community, mm-hmm. we're talking about... 33% of the population Yikes, that okay. falls Third. below that threshold. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, at, I want to give a shout out to United Way mm-hmm. uh, because United Way Worldwide is the uh, the organization that developed this concept of ALICE. Okay. Um, oh. So uh, locally, Heart of West Michigan United yeah. Way, who happens to be my fiduciary <laughs> agent, uh, my employer of record, they're great f- people to oh, work with. Okay. Um, they provide the ALICE data on a regular basis. Okay. Uh, there was just a new ALICE report that came out uh, a couple months ago. There's going to be a webinar coming up soon to explain the new ALICE data. But um, some organizations and some governments are starting to recognize like, oh, we we need to talk not only about people who are in poverty, we need to talk about people who are in Alice yeah, as well.
0: because it is a third of the people living in the city. Yeah. Right. And it's only with housing? Or is this with energy? Or what is this covering? So
1: this covers all areas of basic needs. Okay, so this is so food, it's, this housing, is housing. food. Is uh, education included in that? I believe education, child care. Um, well, education is kind of seen as a public, yep. you know, like a low-cost thing but early child development yeah uh, so that would be included um health care mm-hmm. uh transportation mm-hmm. all of those kind of basic needs areas yeah um so when we think about that calculation and that's so that's kent county overall mm-hmm. the percentage is higher if you're looking directly at the city of grand rapids okay
2: oh really so yes oh. Worse within the city limits okay
3: it
1: is worse within the city limits yeah, yeah. and sure it's probably neighborhoods even...
2: like rockford and I don't know, China right. Sanderson, they probably bring those averages up, right? Yeah, Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. so so the great thing about the Alice Report is it does um, break out all the different uh, cities and townships within a county. Mm. So you can see Kent County as a whole, and then you can see like Algoma Township and Cascade Township
0: and... Rockford and Wyoming and Kentwood and etc. Yeah. Is this accessible to people? It is. Okay, so we can Ooh. find this on United Way's website. Yes. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yep. If you
1: go to the the Hard West Michigan United Way website mm-hmm. and uh, put in Alice in the search tab, um, it'll so take you. My grandma's name. I love the name too. It's such a good um, name. It'll take you to the the most recent report, and then okay. you can just dig through. Um, And like I said, they're gonna have a webinar coming up to kind of walk people through what it means to our community, Mm -hmm. what has changed over time. So they do uh, their data analysis every few years. So you can see kind of, you know, over time, what's changing, what's getting better, what's getting worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But getting back to energy efficiency. So talking about kind of the goals. So one goal, of course, is making sure that there's enough utility assistance and that it's easily accessible. So that's kind of the the baseline, right? Mm -hmm. That's the crisis resolution piece. Mm -hmm. But then we want to look at Um, energy efficiency in the home. So Mm -hmm. like I was saying before, like what resources are available for people to upgrade their appliances for making sure that their home is um, weatherized or even has basic repairs so that there aren't negative impacts um, from their utility utilization. Um, We want to look at things like affordability. So is it, uh, are the rates affordable for them? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do they have the income to pay what's considered affordable, Mm -hmm. because, you know, there's a difference between something being deemed affordable, but then actually being able to afford what is considered affordable, right? Um, And then we want to look at things like what's the reliability and the quality of the utilities, Mm -hmm. um, how accessible are the accounts for, um, whether it's homeowners or renters or Mm -hmm. whatever situation a person happens to be in, um, and then uh, potentially what are... What are the ways that we can impact all of those areas Mm -hmm. through our advocacy? Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are a bunch of people in our local ENTF Energy Efficiency Committee Mm -hmm. who also participate in a statewide advocacy group called the Coalition to Keep Michigan Warm. So that works on statewide policy Mm -hmm. around both regulatory issues and rate issues Mm -hmm. and funding, like assistance funding issues for the state budget, things like that. Um, we provide advocacy opportunities for the national level because that's where the what's called LIHEAP, so low income heating, no, low income home energy assistance program. Yep. LIHEAP nice. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I'll be that, yeah, <laughs> that is up for discussion every single year with the federal budget. So okay. we we focus on um, signing on to advocacy at mm-hmm. the national level for utility assistance, Mm -hmm. but then it also impacts things like weatherization funding. So Department Mm -hmm. of Energy has a separate pot that they put toward weatherization. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: And then how can we make sure that the processes are in place locally Mm. so that there are enough Uh, people enough organizations and enough of a labor force Mm -hmm. that can do home inspections that can um, help with home remediation if a home is being deferred because there are some repair issues that need to happen before the weatherization can take place Mm -hmm. are there enough contractors to conduct weatherization for homes and does the household does the family have confidence and trust in all of those people that are coming in and out of their house. Yep, and one. this is exactly
0: what we're talking about with the cap, right? So yep. It's exactly those things that we're talking about is the amount of time it's going to take to do these things, who's going to do the work, mm-hmm. how much does it cost and, and all of that. And then do we have trust to go in and out of people's homes to get their data, to mm-hmm. share that, but without sharing anything more, right. um, without raising the rent later, because we've done all of these great things to this home and now mm-hmm. the value of it is higher. Um, and then, yeah, is it going to be a renter? Is it going to be a homeowner? We know right. in Grand Rapids we have a large disparity between the homeowners and the landowners okay. and yeah. where and, they and might who, occupy. Right. Who's, who becomes eligible for mm. the service if there's
1: assistance available, mm-hmm. but who also needs to sign off on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oftentimes with things like weatherization, it's the tenant who's the person that's deemed eligible based on their income. Yeah. But the homeowner has to sign off on, you know, yeah, I'm okay with someone coming in and doing these things to this property that I own. Mm. Yeah. Uh, But their income doesn't play into the eligibility for it so you know having communication around all those parties Mm -hmm. so like i said before we don't provide the direct service Mm -hmm. but we're working with all the different organizations that have a different role Mm -hmm. in those processes and making sure that they have good communication that they have a workflow that makes sense Mm -hmm. helping to um uh, sometimes it's as simple as saying, "Oh, you need to meet this new person at this organization because mm-hmm. who you used to talk to turned over, and mm-hmm. so there's someone new there now." Yeah. You know, just kind of yeah. keeping keeping those partnerships open and um, and really nurturing the mm-hmm. relationships so that those who are most impacted have the smoothest possible path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, like I said, this is multi generational work, yeah. of course. So there are lots of lessons that we learn along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we run into a roadblock where we think something should be really easy, and it's actually not because somewhere, some you know, somewhere down the line, someone said, "Oh no, there's this requirement." Yeah, and then we have to do some digging and figure yeah. out how do we can you know work around that or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's really it's complex work, and totally. everyone has their own job on top of being involved. I'm sure. So capacity is always an issue mm-hmm. and and the pace of change is slow
3: mm-hmm. when you're yes. dealing
1: with folks who have an interest in being involved mm-hmm. but they might not always have the time or maybe they don't always have the support from their home organization mm-hmm. to be able to be deeply involved in specific Work groups or action teams on a regular basis. Yeah. So sometimes things happen really slowly.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the wheels of government do turn very slowly, yeah. to be fair. Yeah.
0: Until they turn really, really quickly. And then yeah. you're like, oh, wow, that had wheels. <laughs> yeah. No way. <laughs>
3: Huh, who knew
1: <laughs> no it's super cool as
0: you're just saying this it, it kind of reformats the idea of equity right mm-hmm. like equity is not making sure that people who are living in poverty get money for their energy bills down the road mm-hmm. equity is making sure that there is an alice <laughs> making sure that there is people connecting to the proper services and not just saying oh you need a house you go here goodbye. Mm -hmm. Uh You know, it's you need a house, but is it affordable? Do you have the correct job in order to be able to afford that? Do you have the correct education behind that job in order to keep you afloat? Uh And can you you afford the the food in your home? Yeah, Yeah. yeah. Uh
1: like, what do you know about upkeep? Yeah, how can we build community so that you have a natural support system? Uh And you don't feel like you are constantly being tossed around from
0: organization yes. to organization. I just, I like reformatting this idea of equity and how we give people services and then what it means mm-hmm. to um, mm-hmm. individualize their experience. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. and I'll say there's, there's another aspect that we haven't really touched on that we um, as ENTF do a lot of advocacy around, mm-hmm. and that's how the organizations work with one another mm-hmm. that um, has Sometimes negative, inadvertent impacts on
2: people. Ah, yeah. So,
1: um, when we, for example, when we think about the paperwork that someone needs to complete when they go in for services, Mm -hmm. you know, and wouldn't it be nice if you only had to complete paperwork once? It would be really nice. Yeah. Um, You know, if you didn't have to do a new set of intake
0: forms. Mm -hmm. But we have such stringent privacy laws. Yes that that's impossible. You know? As a receptionist, oh. are, I, that's what I did for six years. Yeah. You cannot just share people's information. It's right, like release right. of records and that's whether right. or not that's necessary. And yeah. Right.
1: And, and do they use the same terminology in their form so that you can transfer the information uh-huh, exactly the yeah. same way? Or do they use a different label? Mm -hmm. for a term and then you have to go back and say oh can you clarify if this actually means this like did I get this right when Mm -hmm. I transferred the records over those types of things so there's there's information sharing that's an important piece of that Mm -hmm. there's also um the aspect of um like how are we communicating with one another and how are we communicating with our um constituents Mm -hmm. so are we talking about people In a way that supports dignity and equity. Mm -hmm. Are we talking that way when we're in front of people and when we're not in front of people? Yes. You know, are we upholding old narratives Mm -hmm. or are we shifting narratives Mm -hmm. so that we're lifting people up and providing Mm -hmm. opportunity Mm -hmm. rather than um, reproducing stereotypes or perpetuating stereotypes Mm -hmm. uh, that hold people back? Mm -hmm. Um, How are we putting people in? Decision-making roles,
3: yeah, um, you know,
1: cool. and mm-hmm. uh, so there are a lot of things that um, that really focus on the interplay between organizations, mm-hmm. and even when it comes to data collection or reports that we use mm-hmm. um, to design, you know, what interventions might be appropriate. Um, there are all kinds of different assessments or surveys. That take place in our community. Yeah, some of them are led by you know a small nonprofit. They just want mm-hmm. to survey their neighborhood or yeah. their you know the people that they're serving. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are led by larger institutions. Uh, mm-hmm. Kent County Community Action just completed their um, community needs assessment. They're required to do that every three years.
3: Ooh, so they like a big project.
1: It is a big project, and the report is great. There's a lot of really good information in it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: At the same time, the Kent County Health Department is required to do a community health needs assessment every three years. So, you know, one of the things that we do is we open up these paths of communication between community action and the health department to talk about, you know, what what are some shared data points or Mm -hmm. how can you leverage one another's Mm -hmm. work so that we're not over-surveying the community. Yes. Um, You know, how can we... Because then that's
2: like work for the community too, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's just like very extractive.
1: right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's data that they own, right? It's information about them Mm -hmm. that they have no control over once it goes into that survey or Mm -hmm. once once the focus group, you know, is completed. Yeah. So how is the data being used then Mm -hmm. um, to provide recommendations for... Future work, mm-hmm. you know, if you're gathering information through a survey or through a focus group, are you then going back to community with the results to say what should we do with this? Mm-hmm. Like, right. what's our next step? And, or is it just for us. a
0: spreadsheet?
1: Right, mm-hmm. right, exactly. So we um, we get very involved. Um, we we really appreciate the partnership that we have at mm-hmm. some of those small, you know, single nonprofits and some of those larger ones like Community Action, like the mm-hmm. Health Department, because we can draw in some of those ideas. And help um, help with implementing or even establishing mm-hmm. um, new strategies right. for community driven solutions. Mm-hmm. the um, community health improvement plan or the chip as it's known that's, um, cute. <laughs> that's I know isn't that cute uh, that always comes after. The community health assessment or right. community yes. health needs assessment. Mm-hmm. So there's a needs assessment, there's a report, and then there's a CHIP, mm-hmm. the health improvement plan. Mm-hmm. And so, how can we help bring in organizations that are part of our network mm-hmm. to be involved in the CHIP, so that we're implementing strategies that community has already said we believe things these things are going to be most effective. Mm-hmm. Let's get involved. Let's support a bigger initiative. You yeah. know, let's it let's um, be part of this. Uh, This project. Mm -hmm. um, And again, kind of hopefully reducing the number of times that we're asking for information from people, Mm -hmm. but then empowering them to be able to follow through on what their ideas and their visions are.
0: Yeah, and and reminding them that you took their data for a reason and that you're going to do something in community with that so that the next time they do a survey, it's not just like, oh, here's this you know quarterly survey or this you know every third year or whatever it may be yeah i think it'll be yeah. more more exciting there's more liberation behind filling those things out when you know it's gonna impact your community in a positive yeah. way mm-hmm. that's the hope That is the hope. <laughs> fingers crossed
2: <laughs> yeah how can folks get involved with KCENTF?
0: yeah so
1: um first of all our website mm-hmm. is entfkent.org. Okay. Yeah. ENTF yeah. um, and then uh, for the Food Policy Council we have a separate website so that's kentfoodpolicy.org mm-hmm. is the Food Policy Council's website so mm-hmm. we encourage people to explore the websites mm-hmm. um, let us know what you're not finding on the website so mm-hmm. that we can add it because yeah. uh, that's always important. Um, Mm -hmm. We have newsletters for both of those groups. So for all of ENTF, we send out a weekly newsletter that has information for service providers, Mm -hmm. and it has information for service providers to share with their community members. Uh, So mm -hmm. opportunities to be involved in a survey, Mm -hmm. for example, Mm -hmm. or a learning opportunity, or um, maybe there's like a one-day event that's happening somewhere in the community that can benefit others. mm -hmm. Yeah, workshops, resource fairs, Mm -hmm. any of those types of things. Mm -hmm. So every week we have an ENTF newsletter that goes out that has all of that type of information
3: mm-hmm.
1: um and then uh, the food policy council does a monthly newsletter with some updates on the work that they're doing mm-hmm. um i didn't get into it and i know we don't have time but i just have to say the food policy council is doing an amazing countywide food system assessment and planning process I right love now food systems so you okay. know, get a hold of us if uh-huh. you're interested in being involved in food system work mm-hmm. because it's so important. And yeah. the food system covers everything from land use and growing and production mm-hmm. and food access and food waste. So mm-hmm. like the whole cycle of the food system. Yeah. Um, so there's newsletters, websites. Uh, and then there are meetings. Our meetings are open to anyone. And we love people engaging in either a full committee meeting or an action team meeting mm-hmm. or both. Mm-hmm. Um, our meetings on our website, there's an events page. And it's basically a calendar that has all of our meetings. Um, and, once,
2: and it's like color-coded.
1: It's color-coded, mm-hmm. yes. We love colors. Uh, once you um, attend a meeting, then we can get you on our regular list so that you get the calendar invitation mm-hmm. you know, in advance. And you always have it on your calendar.
2: Nice. perfect: um, mm-hmm.
1: Our meetings are mostly on Zoom, but we do some hybrid meetings, so about once a quarter we'll do a meeting in the community and mm-hmm. you can choose to be there, either be in person or uh, online for that as well. and they do occur on. Like a recurring basis. basis. Okay, very nice. Yep. So like first Thursdays or the second Tuesdays very or, cool. you know, whatever. You can kind of plan them that way. Yeah, Perfect. so
0: from from hearing from hearing this point, um, it would be a good idea to get looped in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess, um, what we, do we want our call to well, action? Well, I want my
2: call to action to be for people to go to the transportation committee meetings, which seem to be every last Tuesday of the month or every – or, or the, at least the ones that you can make it to the energy efficiency committee meetings and then hopefully see how we can be more sustainable in those areas as especially. A
0: third of our um, emissions come from transportation, a third come from industry, and a third comes from the way that we heat our businesses and homes. Um, So it is a really good idea to know about transportation, Mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm, to also mm -hmm. know about energy efficiency, and Mm -hmm. how your appliances, or how we get our energy, can impact your life further down the road. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. 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 So So check out the events, get involved, be an advocate for yourself in your mm -hmm. community.
0: And then I would um, encourage people to, in the process, maybe consider their transportation ways um how they could make it more effective either by driving more efficiently or less Um, and then the same thing with uh food (laughs) Uh, food waste is a really large issue in our country but also like food being being sound in food and educated in it is so Mm -hmm. important so yeah Yeah,
1: absolutely It's been so much fun talking with you both, yeah, and I feel like thank I you for like there's so many pick more your
2: things brain. that I, I want to talk about. Oh, and I mean, share. it's uh, so all encompassing, you know. Yeah. So
0: yeah, but I think I'm really excited for people to hear about how our systems work behind the scenes, and then also ways that they can get involved into those scenes themselves. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. So yeah. Th- thank yeah. you for being here voices, so much. Mm-hmm.
0: We really do appreciate you for all the work you do, and also just for being here and having mm-hmm. this conversation with yeah. us. Yeah. If Thanks. any
2: listeners want to have questions or want to have any follow up emails with you, how can they reach you? You.
1: so i can be reached at wrandall randall at hwmu so wrandall at h-w-m-u-w.org
2: what does the h-w-m-u-w part of west michigan for? united way ah okay let me see if team remember okay yeah awesome thank you so much thank you yeah. Wendy.
1: don't
3: forget This was Green Rapids. There you go. All right. Peace. Peace.